What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the DE Podcast. I am joined, as usual, by Akinridge, and we have a special guest today. Mitchell is back, as usual. Actually, not as usual, but, you know, our most common guest. But we're very excited to have him, and every single podcast that we have with him is enjoyable. So we decided to bring him back. Yeah, what's up, everyone? It's great to be back, great to be um, for you guys having me back, and, hey, I'm ready to talk basketball. Yeah. All right, then let's talk basketball. So we'll get right into it with uh, some news, unfortunate news for the Bulls, where Zach Levine has uh, injured his knee. Uh, his MRI came back positive, but there was no structural damage to his knee, and he'll be reevaluated within the next week. Uh, he actually injured himself during uh, the game versus the Warriors on Friday, where the Warriors obviously blew the Bulls out. And I guess my question for the both of you right now is, uh, what does this injury mean for the Bulls? Do you think that it will affect their sta- uh, place in the standings at number one in the East? Uh, do players like DeMar DeRozan have to step up? And um, yeah. Well, I mean, overall, the entire East is like kind of messed up. Like uh, the Eastern Conference, like the 11 seed, and obviously the 11 seed would not even make the play in. They're 500, the Celtics. And then in the West, it's like the Kings who are 18 and 27. So it's kind of complicated. But as of right now, I don't think they're in a bad position because I watched them last night. I mean, they didn't play super bad. Obviously, with Zach Levine, it's something different. But I think the team is kind of used to it now because obviously probably around a month back, we had the health and safety protocols with so many players in the NBA. Um, so I think the Bulls are, are, gonna, are kind of used to it. But something to note, is that Alex Caruso is also out right now. So you have two key players. But I think with how DeMar's playing, with how Vucevic is playing, with how um, with how Alonzo is playing, I think it's not going to expect him. And especially with the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, we'll talk about them later, obviously. But just to say with Kevin, with Kevin Durant's injury, I think both teams are kind of like in this in this situation where it's, it's uncertain. But I think with their record, they're going to definitely stay – um, but with Miami Heat are definitely coming up. Uh, they're number two in the East actually now, but um, I don't think it's going to affect them in a big way. Yeah, likewise. I mean, you were talking about DeMar Gross, and if, if he could do any more. I don't think he can do any more. I think they're just going to have to find, you know, someone like someone off the bench to really just um, at least make up even half of what like Levine could produce. But besides that, I don't think they can have their other stars step up more than they already have. I think they're already performing above and beyond. DeMar DeRozan is having an outstanding season. And although they're going to miss that 25 points per game from Zach Levine, I think it's, I think it's something that they'll be able to, you know, just kind of roll with, especially considering it's not a major injury. They yeah, just have, and, to bridge, they have to bridge a small gap. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like, like the Bulls already kind of exceeded our expectations, at least for now. Because I remember at the right before the season when we filmed our podcast, Jacob Rich, we kind of talked about how the Bulls would be like that four to five seed. And they'd be like, oh, maybe okay, not as good. But DeMar definitely played better than I expected. Zach Levine played a little bit better than average. Lonzo and Vucevic, Vucevic especially surprised me, and as well as Alex Russo. Mm-hmm. So I think their team is one of those teams, like the 20, I kind of think about the 2019 Raptors when I kind of think about that. Because like mm-hmm. – not because I'm a Raptors fan, just because I'm thinking about it. But, you know, you have Kawhi, who's your captain. And, I mean, on the Bulls, there's not a particular captain, but let's just say DeMar DeRozan in this case. And then you have so many guys who are, who are decent helping him out around that, like for the Raptors, Siakam, Van Vliet, uh, Ananobi, Kyle Lowry. So, like, you have so many guys just around him. So, I think, I think the Bulls, I mean, despite their experience, I mean, the Raptors had the same problem. They didn't have experience coming into the 2019 playoffs, except for getting blown up by LeBron every year. Um, but I think the Bulls definitely have the potential to be that Eastern Conference Finals team. Maybe the Finals, I mean, it's kind of too early to tell. I mean, but I think especially as we get later in the season, we'll definitely have like a better idea of that. Yeah, but I, I would say that their finals chances, I mean, I'm kind of getting, is, is really determined on how healthy the Brooklyn Nets are going to be. Because if the Brooklyn Nets are not healthy, I think that the Chicago Bulls can easily go toe-to-toe with the Bucks, And there's probably like a 60% chance that they're winning that series um, versus the Bucks. But with the Nets, it's obviously a lot harder to judge. But 
Um, seeing as the Nets just haven't been able to be healthy for the past two seasons, they're still not healthy right now. I think that uh, Chicago has actually a really good chance to go to the finals, assuming that everybody on their side is going to be okay for the rest of the season. Yeah, and last night I was watching the Raptors-Bucks game, and I kind of had this thought about the Bucks. So, I mean, obviously, last season they won the championship and everything, and you know, Giannis got what he deserved and so on and so forth. Um, but I kind of noticed this because I looked at their schedule and everyone that they've played against the good teams. They play really well. I mean, obviously, we saw them destroy the Warriors and they've been like good teams. They beat the Nets, they beat you know the Lakers, so on and so forth. But they've lost to like teams that aren't as good. Like they lost to the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors are one of the best in the league. No, I'm kidding, but you know, they lost to the Raptors, they've lost to like teams that are okay, so, and they've almost lost to the Magic. but I think with the Bucks, it's all about consistency. I think with I think last season they definitely took advantage of that and were able to be consistent, especially um, against uh, well, I mean against all the all the teams that they played going back to twenty twenty when they weren't consistent, and they lost to Miami. So I think the whole Eastern Conference is definitely more exciting this year than any other year, to be honest with you, um, because you you could see second round mashups such as like the Bulls versus the uh, Sixers. Like, that's, like, a a really good matchup. And that's only second round. Like, it, it may seem like that's, like, so far, but it's only second round that you, that you think about it. And even the first round, like, you already, like, now I'm thinking, there are, like, eight, nine, ten teams that are good. And, you, and you're going to have eight of them that make the playoffs. So you're going to have eight really good teams that make the playoffs, and you're going to have, like, two or three decent teams that miss out. So, um and like in conclusion, like like the East is just like so powerful this year compared to other years. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I guess going back to how you were talking about um, the the Bulls being a very balanced team, I think that on that note we can start to talk about the Warriors, who just got another um, player back, that being Clay Thompson, who just played, who has now played a few games. I believe it was three for the first time in over two years since uh, both injuring his Achilles and his ACL. Uh, in those three games, he's averaged 14 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, and he's had a 20-minute restriction. He's only been playing about five minutes per quarter. So I guess my question is just how um, – what are your thoughts on his first few games back? Is there anything unexpected that you saw from him? Um, just general thoughts on – Play being back in the NBA. I just think it's such a welcome sight to see his, not only his energy and his production, but, you know, just what he means to the team, the, like the chemistry that he has with those guys on the roster from Draymond to Steph. I mean, it's just very reminiscent of like what we're used to. And I think it's just what the NBA needed. And frankly, I think now he gets to come back and be on the court with a lot of these younger guys that he hadn't had time to play with. And that's not only going to, I think it's going to rub off on them too. And, you know, he's probably, I bet you he's going to be a great, he's a great leader in that locker room to them. And we've seen like the rise of Jonathan Kuminga. And I think um, even with the difference in position, I think play is going to have a huge influence on him. Yeah. I mean, like with Clay, I mean, I've had people tell me that he's going to go insane, score like 25 in his debut or go off in the first season. And then I've had people tell me, oh, he's not going to do well just because he's coming back. But, I mean, obviously in his first game back against the Cavs, who are such a good defensive team, like um, they de he definitely didn't look 100% just obviously because he's coming back. Like he, like he obviously looked different. I mean, just because we haven't seen him in so long. But like I mentioned this last podcast, like the last time Clay played, Jean Morant had, didn't play a single game. LeBron was like, was barely still in LA. Like he, it was like his first year there. Russell Westbrook was still in Oklahoma City. So like that was like a long time ago. So you definitely have to give credit for him because he's averaging, like, like you said, a 14 points. And that may seem bad con con considering like how he played back in 2019, 18, 17. But that's actually good for somebody who's been out for almost three years with an ACL and Achilles injury. Um, yeah, and he's been on and, the and like, yeah, he's only exactly. 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, so 20 minutes. So to answer your question, I mean, I don't. I think it is affecting his performance, but not in like a bad way. Like I think that 
if he would play more minutes, he would definitely do better. In the minutes that he's played, he's done better. And especially now with Draymond out, James Wiseman is still out. Um, it's it's definitely his opportunity, but obviously you can't change it because health is obviously really important. Like we've seen it last year with the Nets, even this year with, with so many teams. Um, but going to Jonathan Kaminga, like scoring 28 in Chicago, um, even though they were the Warriors were destroying him and he got more minutes and stuff like that, like his performance will save the franchise with Draymond and James Wiseman out. Like I haven't seen too much from uh, like from because you've you've never really like all the all the now that I think about it, all the recent rookies that have been in the NBA are mostly guards except for DeAndre. Aiden. You had Luca, who's a guard, Sean Morant, who's a guard. Um, Zion Williamson, he's a four, but you know, he's never coming back. Um, but <laughs> he's not, <laughs> but you know, it's so impressive. So the Warriors have the potential. I keep thinking about it, even with Seth Curry coming. If you have these guys, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole, uh, Gary Payton, the second, it's Andrew Wiggins. exactly Andrew Wiggins could be an all star forward this year, like starting all star this year. Um, so definitely, that's those are my thoughts on on the Warriors right now. And I, just, and I think it's just sorry. And I think just as long as they don't rush things, I like that they've got the minutes restriction. And you know, as long as the fans don't rush it either, they shouldn't be expecting too much out of him. And they just have to trust that you know, however many games it's going to take, that he'll be back in full force. But right now, I think they're doing the Warriors front office is handling this as exactly as they should, and you know. I think that's it's you know it's great to see, and there's definitely going to be good things to come. And I think it's just patience. Yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. patience. And I guess kind of on the note of the Warriors, we'll also talk about the other Splash brother, uh, Steph Curry, who's right now in a huge, and when I say huge, mad like historic for his career, <laughs> historic shooting slump. Um, <laughs> He normally is shooting usually 43, 44, 45% from three, averaging around 10, 11 attempts per game, um, killing the league in all aspects uh, on, on offense. But in his last five games or so, he's only been averaging about 18 points per game, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, the Warriors are also one and four in those last few games. And I think he's only shooting like, if I'm not mistaken, 32% from three which is just terrible for Steph. I mean, for Russell Westbrook, that's like a career year, but for Steph Curry, that's, <laughs> that's like his worst <laughs> shooting um, performance Ooh, ever. <laughs> so but, um, nope. I guess my question is like, obviously Clay's coming back. That's going to be a big addition once he starts getting his full minutes. But will are the Warriors in danger of losing their one seed? Um, well, they've already lost the one seed to the Suns, but are they in danger of, I guess, slipping further down to where someone like the Memphis Grizzlies uh, starts to overtake them and they're only about the three seed in the West? Or do you think that they'll be fine um, because their upcoming schedule is pretty easy? It's only against the Pistons, you know, the Rockets and the Pacers. I mean, first of all, you can't disrespect what Russell Westbrook is. He could be listening to this podcast right now, you know, <laughs> and he might not come on, you know. <laughs> no, but I'm not. I'm it, not disrespecting Westbrook. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it would be a career best three point shooting year for him, like 32. You know? It, it would. It would. No, but nothing but the facts there. Yeah, yeah exactly. but <laughs> but unlike Clay Thompson, where we're saying that 14 points per game is like good for him because obviously he's coming back. For Steph Curry, 18 points is not good. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we saw him averaging like 30 points per game, 29 points per game. That's dropped to like t- almost 25 points per game, which may not seem like a little bit, but definitely dropping five points per game over a course of like a couple of weeks. Like that's not good. Um, but in terms of like the um, the Grizzlies, I mean, they're playing amazing. I mean, despite their loss to the Mavericks, like it's just it's it's not it's not it's definitely not going to define them as a team. Um, honestly, if you look at the team, you have Jean Morant, Desmond Bain, who came out. Um, you have, um, what's his name? Jaron Jackson Jr. You have a guy who played with Bronny in Sierra Canyon already, like scoring like 15 points in the NBA, which is crazy. But I think in these games against the Pistons, Rockets, Pacers, who are not the best teams, 
um, no offense, Mitchell to the Pistons. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, Steph Curry definitely has the opportunity. I don't think you should take these games as like, oh, these games are going to be easy. Just take this rest. You just, you just lost to the Bucks. You were down, you were down by 40 at one point to the Milwaukee Bucks. So you definitely cannot, you know, wrestling. You have to get that, you know, two, three game winning streak, you know, get back up. I don't think they should worry too much about the standing sets right now because I think they're guaranteed top three with the Utah Jazz having like a four game losing streak right now. Um, so it's a good opportunity for Steph Curry. So hopefully he'll get back into business. Um, and hopefully Clay Thompson can take advantage of that, not playing the best teams in the league, taking, I guess, a little break. So, yeah. No, I definitely, um, I would definitely agree. I think um, Steph's going to come back in full force, especially against these matchups. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of Clay. Clay can pick up the slack as he's easing himself back in to a more full workload. And I got a quote here from Steph, actually, and it pretty much ties into back what I said about Clay. It's just patience. He says, you know, the in reference to his shooting stats, they're lower than I want, and that's going to happen from time to time. I'm never um, results-based. So the approach and what you do going into every game remains the same, and eventually it will turn around. You just can't lose confidence. And, you know, of course, he's not going to say anything to alarm the fans, but, you know, he's just pretty much preaching what um, you want to hear, and that is just, you got to be, you got to be calm, like uh, confident. You got to be, you got to trust in your star player, your MVP, that he's going to turn it around at some point. This is so uncharacteristic of him that it's, I have faith that him probably by the end of this, next few games stretch where he's going to have some favorable matchups that will be at least somewhat back to form. Yeah. yeah, and yeah the, and... I mean, going back to like clay, I mean, I mean, I think with Steph, the whole thing is that it's, it's extremely good that he's not like one of those players who's freaking out. I mean, we saw it when he had the, like the whole three point record going, leading up to it. He looked kind of nervous. I was trying to shoot so many three pointers a game having these low three-point percentages. But, I mean, it's good that he's not nervous because that means he's confident. And that's, I mean, obviously super important. So, um, I mean, it's good that he's not, like, blaming his teammates or anything. So, I mean, for the Warriors, the whole team chemistry thing is definitely there with, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond being there for so long and welcoming these new guys into their young – a lot of young guys because the Warriors – if they would have had that same squad who a lot of the guys who are from that 2017 team are still there, but Kevin Durant, like the Warriors are definitely getting into a little bit of a younger team just because of all those no players like Jonathan Kaminga, Gary Payton, you know, Jordan Poole. Um, so definitely if you think about like the leaders, Steph, Clay, Draymond and Andrew Wiggins are, de are definitely the big leaders. Um, so, I mean, I think Steph will definitely return back to his original form. I, th I think we saw it when he was going for that three-point record. Like, he kind of – his numbers kind of went a little bit down, and then they went back up. Um, so, hopefully, he'll just, he'll just stay there. And it's good that he's just, like, chill about it, you know. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, I don't think there's anything to worry about. The only thing that I really would worry about is if Steph's poor shooting actually affects the team's winning. And, I mean, obviously, it is going to – do that to some extent but if they start if they let's say let's say they drop two of these next three games where they lose to the pistons and pacers but beat the rockets i think then you have a right to be a little bit concerned just because of the fact that um the warriors would definitely like to secure a the one or two seed in the west like they do not want to be um falling down there until a fourth or fifth seed um where they have to play someone like the Nuggets or I believe the Mavericks in the first round, which, uh, I mean, I think the Warriors are better than both of those teams, but it's not like a favorable matchup, right? If the Warriors were playing the Clippers or the Lakers first round, I think they'd be perfectly happy with that. Just for the fact that those teams aren't really the caliber of the uh, other six in the playoff bracket. So I think, I think all they have to be worried about or, is uh, whether or not they start to drop these next two games or not. Yeah, and I think we can, since we're talking about the whole Western Conference, we can go to the Memphis Grizzlies right away, and we're already talking about them in a way. So we have John Morant 
um, over the last five games, averaging, you know, solid 20.4 points per game. The Grizzlies are 30 and 15, third in the West. So we kind of already answered the question about if they're going to catch up with the Warriors. But I think, like, do the Memphis Grizzlies have the potential to be a Western Conference Finals team? And also going to one of their players, like Desmond Bain. I mean, what are your thoughts on him? Like, could he become even better than what he currently is? I would definitely. I don't see. I don't see it happening. You do see it happening, Mitch? I think so. I think you know. I like players who like. No. I just think that I just think that they're like he's the hot hand right now, and I think there's no reason for um, you know, for them to like. Hold on, sorry. <laughs> I had a thought. I had a thought. <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, and I mean, I can like I'll I'll let you you think a little bit, but I mean, for me, like, it's kind of tough. I mean, I think for everybody's tough because you've never really seen them go far in the playoffs before, except for me. I guess we can say like second round with Marcus Zoll, Mike Conley back when they were there. But it honestly just depends on how they can like overcome the playoff like pressure. I guess you can say. Because I think, in my opinion, the Grizzlies are definitely making the playoffs. I have no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, if the Grizzlies get that second to third seed, hopefully, you know, the, I think that will happen unless they make they have a big losing streak somewhere in, the, in there. But I think that, uh, like what Akermer said, you have like a team, maybe like the Mavericks, Nuggets, Lakers, who you could play. And the Grizzlies have been great against the Lakers this year. I mean, so much drama. Destroyed them, games. absolutely destroyed them. So much drama in those games with LeBron thinking he's being disrespected. Um, but no, the the whole what the I think they could do it. It just depends on playoff pressure, like I said, because the playoffs, it's a whole different thing because people think the season is like the season start to end, like the playoffs is just like the very beginning of it. The season is where you can like you know judge your team unless I mean unless you're like. You know, a team who desperately wants to get in there and you're not as good. But it's a team to say, okay, this is our squad. This is our chemistry. How can we, you know, improve offensively, defensively, you know, hopefully get the, the wins against the teams that aren't so good, against the good teams, see where we're different in terms of competition, athleticism, et cetera. Um, and the playoffs is where you truly take the test because, like, I can ask you right now, from the 2020 to 21 season, did, did you do you remember anything that happened during the season? Like, do you remember the records? Probably not, right? No. no, no. Yeah, like nobody. Even I don't remember like the Raptors' record from the 2019. Like, I, I mean, that's not that's not big. So everybody just remembers the playoffs. Like, hey, remember Damian Lord's game winner in 2019 in the playoffs? Like, remember LeBron's block in 2016 in the finals? Like, all of those memories come from the NBA playoffs. So. For the Grizzlies, that's like the most important part. That's where you need to play 100%. Not just Sean Morant, 100%. Sean Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, you know, uh, Steven Adams, everybody. Yeah, but I don't think, I think was uh, the question was, could they be a potential Western Conference Finals team? And unless the Warriors like drop to where they play the Suns in the second round, there's no way the war there's no way that there's any other team other than the warriors or the suns that's making the western conference finals those teams are just way better than everybody else in the bracket and i just don't see um them slipping up unless there's major injuries so i don't think that the grizzlies can get past either the warriors or the suns so i don't i see them as a second round team at most they'll probably beat whoever they play in the first round unless it's the lakers as i, I out of all the teams in the lower seeds, the Lakers probably have the greatest chance of upsetting them. But the Grizzlies will probably be just a second-round exit, but still a very good season for them, considering the expectations they had. I think they're just a very – they're a sneaky good team. They don't do – I mean, they've got some very flashy players, John Moran, especially with the high-flying dunks that he has. But the, a lot of the things that they do right are things that people aren't necessarily going to see, and they're not – they're really, like – statistics statistically um on the defensive end i mean 
you know, they're leading, I believe they're leading the league in both steals per game as a team and um, blocks, blocks per game, yeah. 6.3 blocks per game and 10.1 steals per game. And they're led by Jaron Jackson, um, I believe, with averaging over two blocks per game and DeAnthony Melton with almost two steals per game on the other end. So they've got a lot of great role players who are excelling at parts of the game, steals and blocks that, you know, are help what create turnovers. And the turnovers can obviously lead to points. They're very good at scoring on the other end of those turnovers. And then when they commit turnovers themselves, they're allowing allowing the um, lowest amount of points per game off of those as well. So not only are they like forcing mistakes, but they're limiting their own mistakes as well. And I think that's like those mistakes, both limiting their own and capitalizing is what's going to take them a lot farther than people think. And although it might not be to, you know, maybe a league breaking level, as you said, maybe it's second, like second round exit is probably what's in their future, but you know, it's still going to be, you know, something to capitalize on and build, like build on. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a very exciting season. Um, but one interesting thing of note is that actually very interesting is from this Grizzlies team, John Morant right now, he's second in all-star voting for the guards in the West. And so I think we should talk a little bit about the second returns for the all-star game. Um, and I guess I'll just, I'll start with the West. I'll read out the West front court, which has LeBron at number one, Jokic number two, Andrew Wiggins at number three, Paul George four, Anthony Davis five, Draymond Green six, Carmelo Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns after that, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton. And for the guards, we have Steph Curry, John Morant, Luka Doncic, Clay Thompson, very high up, very interesting, Devin Booker, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, and then Anthony Edwards. Any thoughts on any of these players, where their positions are, anybody being snubbed? I mean, everybody, it's definitely changed since the first returns. It's definitely more realistic now. Um, I think Andrew Wiggins definitely gets the, gets the card for maybe being a starter, him or Paul George. Because he's definitely surprised people this season, even although people haven't really, you know, noticed it, talked about it. Like he's having one, like one of his best careers in his career. So uh, I think it definitely deserves an all-star. Um, but something that's interesting that I just don't notice. So eighth place in the front court, Carl Anthony Towns, he has 851,000 votes. Fourth place in the guards, Clay Thompson has 749,000 votes. That's like 100,000 less. So Definitely, like the votes are definitely more on the on the um, front court side, but overall, in my opinion, I agree with everything. Um, even the the guards, everyone wants Clay Thompson to have a warm welcome. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a minutes restriction in the All Star game too. Um, I'm not surprised about any of this, except for maybe Carmelo Anthony being at number seven. I don't think he really deserves to be there, but maybe that's maybe one of his like last years in his career, so they're gonna lean more towards him. I would have hoped to have seen Donovan Mitchell a little bit higher in voting. He is miles behind, you know, those top three guys. And I have, I didn't expect him to be within the top three, but, you know, he's even 200,000 points behind Devin Booker there. And I think that's just, I don't want to call it disrespectful, but I think he deserves a little bit more. Yeah. And also Andrew Wiggins is very high. He's uh, number three above people like Paul George. Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert. And I think that's just too high for a player who only averages 18 points per game. I mean, obviously the Warriors are close to the top of the league, so I understand and he's the second option behind Steph as of now. But I don't see him being I don't just think he deserves to also be super high. And then players like Clay Thompson, I don't even think Clay Thompson should be eligible to be voted for because he's literally played three games. Um <laughs> and hasn't been a contributor to the Warriors all season. And then even guys like, I think Russell Westbrook is also a bit too high. Um, Russell Westbrook's season, it, I mean, it looks good on paper. You're like, wow, he's averaging a pretty high amount of points, rebounds and assists. But uh, from what I've seen with the Lakers, he's just been very mediocre um, and probably for league standards and then probably bad by his own standards just inefficiently shooting from nearly everywhere except for the corner three uh 
he's getting his triple doubles, but he's not doing what the Lakers wanted him to do. Uh, so I don't think Russell Westbrook should be that high either. Yeah. Um, I think I can go ahead and read the Eastern Conference. So we do have Kevin Durant at number one, but Kevin Durant will probably not be playing the All-Star game. Um, he's out for the next four to six weeks with an MCO strain. Um, but we have Giannis at number two, just going down the line. We have Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler. Jared Allen is still somehow up there. Pam Adebayo, Pascal Siakam, Miles Bridges, and Lamarcus Aldridge. And then for the guards, we have DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, Zach Levine, James Harden, LaMelo, Kyrie Irving, Derek Rose, Fred Mifflet, Darius Garland, and Jalen Brown. So um, I think I can kind of start off. I have a lot to talk about here. Fred Van Vliet should definitely be higher. I'm not being biased. I, sh- I-, I think he should be higher. Higher than Derek Rose, Kyrie Irving, and LaMelo. And LaMelo, for sure. LaMelo and Van Vliet, that's a big comparison. But in my opinion, I think Fred's better. Um, for the front court. Um, I think Jared Allen should be down. He hasn't been playing as well in his last few games. I mean, at the first returns, he definitely deserved it. I mean, but as of right now, I think, I mean, Bam Adebayo is not playing in the All-Star game and Kevin Durant isn't. So technically Siakam could be like number six and Miles Bridges number seven and Marcus number eight. Um, Bam could be back this Monday, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I should take that back. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that just it's the same problem once again, where it's like all these guys, it's, it's too much of a popularity contest, right? It's just they go, people go too much off of who they want to see as opposed to who really deserves to get in. Like Kyrie Irving does not get him off of there, just, get him off of there. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I think that if you're injured for more than like if, if you're not playing like at the beginning like for the first like 15 games of the season and then you start playing i mean at the front court katie's not playing jared or not jared Allen. Bam katie's, Adebayo, been, katie's been here a lot i think i think if no I'm, I'm not complaining about katie he should be there um but jared allen is there bam out of bio deserves even though he was injured for a little bit with his thumb he still definitely deserves it um Marcus Aldridge does not – I don't really – I mean, I haven't watched too much of him, so I'm not going to speak too much on that because I don't want to, like, you know. Um, I think he's so. just been more of a role player. I don't think he's being – he's necessarily doing anything special. I mean, if you look at the guy right above him, Miles Bridges, I think Miles Bridges has had much bigger impact for his own team, respectively. But Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I have to say that or else, like, everyone's going to hate me because I'm from Charlotte. So, But um, for the guards, Zach Levine is out most likely i can't actually i'm too that's too early but uh, let's just say for now he he's possibly out um Lamello, Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie won't even be able to play because Kyrie irving can't play road games and then derrick <laughs> yeah, home games he can't play home and, games all right my, sorry my bad so he will be able to play but derrick rose is injured right yeah, yeah. he's out for the season i think or yeah something. fred van vliet should be higher. He should be number four. Garland's or five, 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 five. Darl- Garland is definitely getting this. Even though I want Van Vliet so much over him, I still think Garland like definitely deserves it. I mean, he's like, are he? He's arguably the leader of the Cavs right now. I mean, he's with Avamo. Yeah, my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, I have. I don't know who I have him, but anyways, Jalen Brown went up there. I think he definitely deserves to be there. Um. No, but I, I, going at the, at the East, I definitely agree with most of this stuff. I haven't watched too much of Jared Allen. Again, like, it's not like I watch all of these teams. I mostly watch the NBA TV games and the Raptors games, so I'm not really, like, saying too much. I just know a lot about, like, the main guys. Like, Damar, Trey, Zach, Jay, they all deserve that. Well, Mel actually does. Like, he's – I've been fortunate to watch him in person. Like, his movement is so interesting, like, even when he's not, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, just like tricking his opponents, you know, doing lots of, he's like, it, it's great. So I think with Kyrie and Derek, it's all good. Um, yeah. And I guess, Mitch, I actually have a question for you. So I'll just give some context first. So about two years ago, what they did for the All-Star game is 
before it used to be, I believe, a 100% fan vote where the fans just picked whoever got in. But then the fans have started to just vote for like role players or meme players like Alex Caruso into the game. <laughs> and they were like, we don't want Alex Caruso playing in the All-Star game over like Paul George. So they made it so that the fans only account for 50%. Then the coaches vote, they account for 25 and then the players do 25. So it was a little more balanced. And I guess my question is like, should fan voting still be like the thing that the, the majority factor that determines who gets into the All-Star game? Or should we start to just have like fan voting be symbolic and everything is just up to the people in the league, like maybe the media, the players and the coaches? Definitely. I think including the Associated Press would be would probably help the um, I guess the the validity of it, really. I mean, the pro like just like the Pro Bowl in the NFL and all the all star should be an award. It shouldn't be just kind of like it's it's been discredited so much that even just using it in arguments is kind of like, you know, an accomplishment that players had is um, is almost like no more. And granted, um you know, you want to distinguish it in some way from the all NBA teams. So you can't necessarily have it all, you can't have it, you know, too similar in selection process to that. So I think fans should definitely be a part of it. And I think 50% right now is probably where it should be. I think um, the rest of the breakdown, I don't know exactly. I think you said coaches were definitely a part of that too. Maybe even the players themselves, I think. Yeah, should they probably are. have they are so i think where it's at now is probably where it should be i don't think they should have any more probably any less either um because you that's definitely helps the nba in terms of fan just kind of like involvement they i think if you got rid of it entirely the fans would definitely protest and i think viewership would go down um and the all-star game has unfortunately become more of just kind of like a show i mean people watch you know they watch it for the skills showdown they watch it for the dunk contest the game is pretty much it's become less of a game too and i think that's part of why they vote for a lot of these flashy like players and guys who are just like um you know kind of names that have been kind of like in the news those quote-unquote meme players it's just that you know because they're not playing like tried and true basketball in these games they're playing you know they're just showing off really and i think that's part of the reason why the fans want these guys that are very you know that aren't necessarily, you know, technically sound or like, you know, pop off the stat sheet, but they're they're just players that they want to see. I mean, I'll have to respectfully disagree with that just because like going back to like the 2020 game, like that was like one of the most competitive games where they actually tried. Um, and then 2021, that was a little different because Timo Brown was like really stacked. So and like uh, Giannis, or not, yeah, not Giannis. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Durant was like stupid. Um, so <laughs> it was like East versus With West. His picks? Yeah. Um, even though he was injured, it wasn't more competitive. But I think last season it was so like complicated just because of the whole COVID thing, and there were questions like, "Is this going to happen? Will this happen?" And then it happened, and then the drafting, and then you had like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons go out with co- with the COVID. Then you had Kevin Durant get injured. So, the whole, it, like, last season was just so confusing. I think if you wanted to ask me overall, I would definitely say that it's, it's less than a game just for fun. Hopefully this year will be more competitive because, those, like, when you have a competitive game between, like, all the best players, that's, like, so – that's, like, one of the most fun things. The 2020 was one of the best games. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely I think that, that's, like, the, that's the idea behind it. That's what they want. But yeah. they don't get it because the players themselves are like, why should I even, I guess, risk possibility of injury in just a game that has really no no worth in it? And then they, they did obviously put more worth into it by having the donations to charity. If you win, if you win a quarter, your charity gets X amount of money. If you win the whole game, you get like triple that amount. All that stuff was great, but it's never going to be to the point where it's like the NBA finals. And it's like, oh, we have to we have to be out here running down the court for every second of the game. It's extremely competitive. We're trying our 100%. It's just not going to ever be like that. But I will agree with you, with both of you, when I think it's – actually, I will, I'll agree with Daniel in the sense that when it's competitive, it's much nicer. Yeah, like – wait, what was I going to say? 
I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> no, but I'll just like, I'm I'll, like, I mean, with the whole all star game, I'm hoping that it'll be entertaining. Um, but last, I mean, I I was gonna ask, like, are they still? I think with the whole all star thing, I mean, I I want to ask if you guys would agree me with would would would, would uh, agree with me on this. But the, the all star game, like after that, there's a break. So I think like the players kind of like think of this as like an all star break. Like this game is just for fun. I mean, I think the whole purpose is for fun, but um, yeah. like the players are like, I just need a break right now from, you know, my team from basketball. Just like have some fun at the All-Star game, have some fun competing at the All-Star weekend, have fun, take a few days off and then get back right into it. So there, I think the fans take it more than the players. I think some of the players might just think it's like a for fun game, which it is. And then the fans want more entertainment, like they want to like have fun. You know what I'm saying? And I think you got to like maybe supplement that with some other things. You got to find that happy balance between, you know, both satisfying the players and satisfying the fans. And I think the NBA is not going to be able to have necessarily both. And I think maybe just even throwing more things in that are outside of the game, like that skills competition, like the dunk competition that we've had for decades. But if you look at like, you know, what the NHL does, where they keep like, what I actually like what they did is that they brought in, some legends, especially legends from the city that the game is in and had them like, you know, compete or at least make a cameo. I feel like that would be cool. Just like maybe just involving the city a little bit more. Um, maybe some of the team's heritage of the city that they're in, something like that, something to get at least the home, like home fans involved and give them something that might not be like to help, like I said, supplement like a slightly lackluster game in terms of intensity. Yeah, I, I, I think that's actually a great thing. But one other thing in terms of, like, the side events, what I think needs to happen, especially for the dunk contest, I think we need bigger names in there. Yeah, I think just that'll – like, we need – I know it'll never happen, but we need a LeBron in the dunk contest. They're going to have to find some ways to incentivize it more. I mean, I think and, that – I think last year it was because of COVID and, and they just – like, they didn't – they had the skills competition, but they kind of rushed to put these players in. Because obviously the whole event was like not like nobody. It was kind of like unknown to be happening. Like they had um, they had like some something Simmons like from the Blazers, Obi Toppin, who nobody knew who the guy was. Some reserve from the Pacers. So honestly, like it's I think just last year was a whole rush. I think twenty. I don't think you need like I think it would be fun if they had like one year. Where they did like a all like players like under six three edition dunk contest, where they had like Steph Curry, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, like it would have been like so fun, and Chris Paul just like see all these like small guys just like dunking, like I think it would be funny, but I definitely agree with Aiken Range like having like a LeBron in there, maybe a Giannis, maybe like um, Giannis would be so nice. But then I think what so. the NBA is trying to do is not like include the like all the all stars in every single event. I think they want to like you know, to have some, like, guys who aren't all-stars, just, like, some guys who are okay in there. I mean, and it's not, it's not like we watch, like, every single game. Like, last season, like, Obi Toppin, like, I did watch his highlights after that all-star, like, the dunk contest. Like, he actually had some pretty good dunks. But, you know, it's kind of complicated, you know. Yeah, I just, like, you want to give, like, some of those players a platform, but I don't know if the all-star game is necessarily the place to do it. Yeah. What they should include what the NFL does is a dodgeball game. <laughs> they should. They should. But they use basketballs instead. Oh, God. <laughs> you have a couple broken noses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a dodgeball game would be great. Or just like just other random activities would be nice too. Maybe they, have, maybe. The, they have the All-Stars play, uh, play a football game. I would love to see like a 40-yard dash. I want to see the fastest, like the like the NBA's version of the NFL's fastest man. They should have like, like the, they should have, they should, they should have like a hockey like a hockey competition where they have like pucks and they like shoot it at each and then when there's like a goalie standing in there. You know? Like, like a goaltending like, kind of thing. Like see how many <laughs> yeah. like how many shots can you block by doing it illegally? Yeah. <laughs> I think that would actually be pretty great. Like just random fun events that they kind of just pick for the year they just get some of these guys in it and you know that that would yeah. actually be it would be a great way to mix it up from year to year and also i think a lot of people would be very interested 
Uh, it, it could just be like a variety competition, and that they just maybe you could have the fans vote on those. Yeah, that's also that's also another way to just include because the fans. Do, do the do the fans vote on like the dunk contest and three point contest? No, they don't. Exactly. No. I think the I think the fans should vote on the dunk and three point contest, and for the NBA, they should like maybe like let maybe like have the um have the starters be like not voted by the fans but maybe have like the bench players voted by the fans so you have at least like a lot of talent in there as well as maybe like one one like player who's been like viral in the league maybe come in on the bench or something i also like what they did i remember that one year when dirk and um what's his name uh dwayne wade retired they just kind of threw them in too i mean as long as they're maybe you throw in a guy like that but they're not taking up like a, a regular roster spot on there yeah, that was super fun because, like, to honor the guys who like have been in the league for so long, even though they they may not be all stars right at that moment. Like this year, maybe have actually who is retiring this year? I'm not, I don't remember, but there were a couple of guys who said that they're going to retire after this year. So definitely, like even Carmel Anthony, like he's going to retire like soon, probably. So, um, that's kind of smart for them, and maybe yeah, have yeah. like. Yeah, and so, I mean, I guess overall, just kind of to wrap this point, I think more fan interaction or with, with or fan control, I don't know how to exactly put it, with, um, with the game itself and the events surrounding it, and then just more variety and surprise in the games, in the various games, will, I think, overall just make the event a lot more fun. So I think we can move on to uh, just a few discussions about just some trades. One of them, I think, Mitch, you'll find pretty interesting. Um, so the first one was uh, Cam Reddish, who was part of that Duke Big Three with Zion and R.J. Barrett, is going to reunite with R.J. Barrett back in New York because the Hawks traded him uh, for Kevin Knox, who was a Knicks lottery pick from a few years back, who obviously did not really pan out at all. And uh, any thoughts on that trade? I think that the Knicks definitely stole that. Because Kevin Knox wasn't like I mean I I just think it was it was because he wasn't getting as many minutes in his rookie year he actually I don't believe he did too bad I think he averaged like eleven points per 10, 11 points per game but like as of right now he he isn't getting minutes he's not playing and Cam Reddish definitely has so much potential obviously now the chemistry might be better with him with being with R J Barrett and Duke so um. I mean, it's definitely it's, – it's great for the Knicks. I think that the Knicks definitely got a steal off that trade. Yeah, I would agree too. I mean, let's see. I mean, they gave up Kevin Knox in a first-round pick. I keep forgetting that, like, coming from more of an NFL background, that first-round picks like and second-round picks are not nearly as valuable. So I think that they got a good val- – like, very good value, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, and as Kevin, uh, not Kim Knox, I mean, what's his name? Cam Reddish has obviously been playing behind uh, Trey Young and the other, and Boyan Bogdanovich and the other Hawks guards. So he hasn't really gotten many minutes. But I just remember randomly during the season and in the playoffs, he would just have really good games. So I think if the Knicks can actually give him some playing time, maybe just off the bench, a solid 20 to 25 minutes per game or something, especially with Derek Rose out. Um, then I think that he can really thrive, and I think he'll really show the uh, potential that he had as a three-point shooter uh, when he was coming out of college. And the chemistry. you got to capitalize off that chemistry that you've now introduced into the team, like with between RJ and RJ and Cam. Yeah, yeah definitely. And then going on, we have Bobo, the son of the guy named Manute Bo. I think he's like one of the tallest guys to ever play. Um, but the Nuggets Pistons trade with him voided after a failed physical. So what do you guys think about that? I think it's pretty unfortunate because that was a guy that was, uh, as Akramash, I was talking with him, like in school, about like the potential that this kid could have. You know, he barely got any playing time. And, you know, once that trade went through, fans were, you know, going crazy for the on the Pistons. And it's like, oh, we're going to get this kid that, you know, we can hopefully develop along with the rest of the young guys. It would be a great addition. And, you know, he only averaged just a few minutes per game on the Nuggets. So it was very it was very much a question mark. 
but for like you know what was given in return roddy mcgruder i think in like a second round like draft selection it was definitely you know it was definitely something to look forward to and you know maybe that'll go through in the future if um you know bowl is able to pass a physical and that's you know a problem with those guys that are that big but you know it was kind of disappointing i don't think it's like necessarily game breaking but you know well a lot of people said that he had an immense amount of potential as you as you just stated so i think I don't think it's going to change too much, but I think it, it definitely, in a way, it's a loss for the Nuggets because I think they would have loved to have just another piece of young talent. I mean, not for the Nuggets, for the, sorry, for the Pistons. I think it's just a loss because they would have loved to have another another young talent that they could probably um, develop along with Cade Cunningham and then whoever they, uh, Killian Hayes and whoever they draft in the lottery next year. I think that they would have loved to just have another piece that, in maybe four or five years could be playing at a all-star caliber level just based off of his potential. So yeah, I don't think it's a, yeah. And they've been lacking, you know, at the forward position. I mean, that being said, Trey Lyles actually has been doing very well recently over the past few games, at least statistically. He's an up and coming, I think. And Luca Garza, I think, deserves more minutes. But besides that, they're pretty spread thin. And of course, I think that's what they're going to use their lottery pick on this upcoming season is to bolster that, that front court. Um, I guess you also have Sadiq Bey in there playing at small forward. He's been doing a lot better three-point shooting-wise. But, um, yeah, I think that would have been a nice addition to their front court that maybe could have, if he had broken out, you know, maybe could have they could have directed their focus with that draft pick somewhere else. I don't think necessarily that would have happened. I think they still would have, like, tried for, um, you know, maybe a big center with that pick. But, you know, regardless, it is what it is. It's a pretty small trade on a small market team, so you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change the world, but yeah, maybe in another time it could have, you never know. Right. Yeah, but I, think, I, honestly, I feel bad for Bobo a little bit because now he's just gonna be stuck on the nuggets again behind Jokic. And obviously you don't need to replace Nikola Jokic for any reason at all. So uh, I feel bad for him because I think he definitely deserves a chance because a lot of the time, what you find is young guys, they might not be looking good on one team, but then when they have a change of scenery and they're able to really um, get minutes and do their own thing, they tend to thrive, especially when they have a lot of potential. I have a little bit of a long speech coming with the Raptors <laughs> interested in Jakob Toto. No, we're not. I don't want that guy. <laughs> Jacopoto is averaging 11.1 points per game, nine rebounds, and two assists per game. We have my son, Preston Ochoa, got him from Miami. He's looked so good this season. He's averaging um, eight points per game. And then we have my stepson, Chris Boucher, who is the backup, and he's averaging nine points per game, six rebounds, and one assist. So they're not both bad at all. But that they like the whole chemistry is so much better. Last year we had a nobody and Aaron Baines come to our team, and the chemistry was not there. I could I could just tell it. Um, Preston Cho has a lot of chemistry. I mean, he's fr- obviously friends with Siakam because I think they played together in Africa, um, in Cameroon. Um, so they're definitely like the chemistry is there. They're all playing well. I don't think Jacopo needs to come back to us. We don't need him. Um, I think there's been so many discussions about like Miles Turner coming to us. Like, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but then you have like Preston Ochoa who'd be the backup, and then you would have Chris Boucher who's not getting as much playing time where now he is, and Chris Boucher definitely deserves that playing time that he has right now. Yeah, you could probably honestly, if you get a Miles Turner, you could probably trade off either Precious Ochoa or Chris Boucher. It's really which one do the Raptors like more and want going forward, but. I think they could definitely trade one of them away, get maybe a second round pick or stretch it for a good role player in another position. Yeah, and, I, the, and, and the Hornets are also a, t- a team. And the Hornets, their starting center sucks. <laughs> and Mason Plumlee, I mean, he's not, he can't rebound the ball well at all. And then you have, um, it's like you barely even have like a backup center. You have reserves and Kai Jones, who's like a not, I mean, he might keep maybe people are saying he should get more minutes, but I think if you have Miles Turner and maybe you trade a few, a couple of those like reserve centers in, in a draft pick or something like that, 
and try to leave Mason Plumlee there. And I honestly think Mason Plumlee could be a good backup center for Miles Turner. Um, but I, but no, I, I definitely think that, you know, I think it would be a W for the Hornets and for the Raptors. I mean, I wouldn't mind having him on the team. It would be exciting um, because we haven't exactly had like a, like a star center. I mean, we've had Marcus Ole, who's, who was really good when we, when he was with us. So maybe like Miles Turner can remind us that of the Marcus Ole, maybe he can have like the three point shooting ability, which Chris Boucher does have. Chris Boucher has that um, big three point shooting ability. So definitely exciting but i think we can move on um to our final topic of the day regarding the brooklyn nets so last time we spoke it was just before Kyrie irving came back and he has come back he's averaging almost 18 points per game five rebounds and almost four assists per game uh, the nets are two and one with Kyrie irving um but now we have a problem with the brooklyn nets we have kevin durant is diagnosed with an mcl sprain and now for four to six weeks so a month maybe even a month and a half and mm-hmm. um definitely a serious injury um so acreage so for Kyrie Irving do you think Kyrie Irving has impacted the Nets thus far will he make it better and then also for Kevin Durant's injury is Brooklyn doomed <laughs> okay for the first for the first point <laughs> I think Kyrie Irving will only make the Nets better I mean we saw what not having him did Last year versus the Bucks in the playoffs, right? He game three. I remember this distinctly. The um, the Bucks and the Nets they were I think the level or very very close. Um, in the early third quarter, Kyrie goes off with an injury, and then the Bucks lose that close game. And we all know what happens eventually where they lose in seven. But I think that the reason why they lost in that seven was because the firepower from Kyrie was just missing. That twenty five points per game. He was playing so well in those first two games and even going into that third game. So Kyrie being back for the Nets is just great. It's he's he's essential to their big three. And um he's he's gonna be good, especially with Kevin Durant out now. Uh he'll be good to make up some of that, even though it will only be on the road. But when talking about Kevin Durant's injury, I think that I think the Nets are in a little bit of trouble. I think that they will fall in the standings once again. I remember last year, the Nets only had Katie, Kyrie, and Harden for eight games together, and they still managed to maintain, I believe, the second seed, which is very impressive, but um, I don't think, I don't know if that'll happen again this year, just because of the fact that, right, while Harden is going to be much better, um, Kyrie being in another lineup is going to hurt a little bit, and then also the fact that um, their role players aren't as good. Blake Griffin is basically out of the rotation. Marcus Aldridge is not nearly as good. Patty Mills is a bright spot, but Bruce Brown Jr. also having a slightly more down year. So I don't see them. I think they're going to be around the fourth or third seed as opposed to top two. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to, it's, it's like, it's bringing back obviously 2021 memories with the whole playoff thing. Um, but it would be good if Brooklyn kind of like make it like a 500 record, not like overall record, but like while Katie's gone, go f- like 500, I guess you can, you know yeah. what I mean? And then Katie comes back and they hopefully get back on, on a roll. I think they could keep it at like the second or third seed, but we'll just have to see. I mean, my cut, another thing I have to ask, like, I don't think anybody could have seen this coming with the Nets just being like, so unhealthy like remember when i remember you remember when the nets signed both Kyrie and katie everybody's like oh after katie comes back this this team is a lock for everything and obviously they've only had one season together which was last year but in the three years since Kyrie and katie signed every single season has had major injuries to any part of the team first year katie's out Kyrie plays full season second year katie's out in stretches Kyrie's out in stretches harden's out in stretches now this year Kyrie's out due to due to vaccine and we don't know what's going to uh, – now he's slowly coming back, if you want to call that an injury. Um, KD is now out. Harden was out for some point. So it's like – it's just so many injuries. They're Honestly, I don't know if they're – they're just very unlucky. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to definitely see what Brooklyn will do. Um, but, yeah, guys, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast. Great podcast um, with Mitchell. Had to leave a little bit early, but definitely happy that he can come on. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, like the post on YouTube, subscribe. You know, we're growing. 
trying to post at least one short every single day and that's going well so far on spotify make sure to follow us and download the video um we'll get the podcast on itunes very soon um but with that itunes being, let's go yeah we're trying trying um but yeah guys with that being said me and Aiden, we'll see you guys next time